If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and get that out, and let's go over. Well, I'll have you, if you want to go ahead, ahead of me, just go over to the book of John, chapter 12. You can just camp there for a bit. I want to continue today with the series, Dedicate. And 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5 reads this way. Uh, they even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So that was their first action. You, you read the whole passage. Their second action was actually the giving of their, their offering to the Lord. And this is, I believe, the right order for us to walk with God is to first personally be dedicated. You have me, you have my life. And then secondly, it is asking, what do I have? What do I control? What has been entrusted to me that I could give, that I could dedicate to the Lord, all right? But not the other way around. We give him ourselves. Everybody with me on that today? Okay, this is most important. This is the proper way to approach the Lord. But if I could just uh, do a mini uh, restating or reviewing of what I was teaching last week, there is a real connection between physical stuff and spiritual, all right? Uh, one does not increase in spiritual matters if they do not increase also in how they handle material things, the idea that my relationship with God is one thing, but then how I conduct my life or how I handle my money, how I handle my possessions is separate from that, meaning I could be failing in here but succeeding over there, that doesn't work. I can't be failing in what God has entrusted to me materially and succeed in what he has given to me spiritually. In fact, when you, when, you, when you study this, as we did, and uh, this is Luke from Luke chapter 16, uh, we saw that, that we have to be faithful with what is little, little is material, before we can be faithful with much, which is spiritual. Everybody with me today? All right, so if I want to make spiritual advancement, if I want to grow up, if I want to uh, partake of what Jesus called true riches, I have to be faithful and properly handle uh, material wealth. Hallelujah. I can't skip that because you say, well, why would someone ever try to skip that? Because, of a, because that's where their heart is. That's where their life is. It's in the material. And there has to be a letting go of that to enter into true riches. It does not mean that if you let go of material things that God's gonna send you to the poor house because it is not his will that his people be poor. It is not his will that you and I barely scrape through and barely make it through life, but at least we're saved. No, salvation will manifest in the material world as a blessing. It's just, he's just saying, you don't get to the good stuff the eternal, the true, the, the real wealth of God by being unfaithful or, or treating material things as if they're insignificant or don't matter. 
Because they matter in this world, they matter to God. And they matter because they, in reality, they matter to us, right? I mean, we'll do, if you don't say it doesn't matter to me, you, you might be lying. Uh, if we say it doesn't matter, then, uh, then I don't think we're being honest with that. But if we'll take it and say it does matter, and because of that matters to me, I worked for it, I, whatever, whatever I did I, to, to get it, it matters to me. Therefore, I'm going to dedicate that to the Lord. Now we can go further. Now the door is open into spiritual things. Now we can make advancement into the greater things of God. If I could just say this another way, use different words, but, but say it a different way. Um, I'm not going to develop spiritually if I don't develop in love. Okay. And can't you see that? Someone says, oh, I'm just really growing tight with the Lord. I mean, the Lord and me, we're just, boom, we are close. I just love God more than ever before. I have this greatest relationship with him more than ever before. You say, well, how's your marriage? Well, I, I, I hate my spouse. And <laughs> well, how, how's your relationship with people at church? I don't like those people. Uh, how, did, how, is, how, how's, how are things going at work? Well, there's constant headbutting. I don't think you're as close to the Lord as you think you are. Yeah, come on. <laughs> in other words, I'm not really developing spiritually if I'm not developing in love. And love is shown often in these type of relationships. Amen. Another way to say that, because, because the, the primary expression of love is giving. Yep. You see where I'm going with this? God so loved the world that he gave. If I'm not developed in giving, I'm not developing in God. Say, well, I'm, I'm going to get to that. I would get to it right away. I would get that thing resolved inwardly between you and the Lord. Get that figured out so that it doesn't, you know, serve. It's almost like a rope around your, your ankle. I'm trying to make progress. I'm trying to make spiritual progress. What's that around your ankle? Tithing. <laughs> Why don't you come up higher? Why don't you see more? Why don't, that's, there's so many things that God wants you to do. I'm trying. I'm trying to get there. <laughs> well, if you solve that, you'll probably take off like a rocket. Come on. Good word. Come on. Hallelujah. Okay, so I can't then, according to, to Jesus, bypass, uh, I can't bypass giving on my road to true riches, which are spiritual things. It's a, it's a misnomer. It's a wrong belief. And that's why I, I pose the question, can, can I really grow spiritually if I don't grow in generosity? Is that even possible? Looking at the character and nature of God and the teachings of the Lord Jesus, I'm going to have to say no. I'm going to have to say I can't do one without the other. So one of the pitfalls in this, in, in this and in life is we want to avoid becoming hypersensitive about money issues. You'll find those who do, and it's a lot of people, by the way, and it's a lot of church people. I don't know if it's a lot of us, but people become hypersensitive about money issues. They're always critical of others. They're judgmental of others and how, what they give or what they spend, and, and that type of mentality is, is, is something that's a hindrance to, to growth in God. Because they're, they're either they don't think of themselves this way, they just think they're being, you know, I don't know how, how they would describe themselves. But it's, 
it's, uh, it's not like the Lord, okay? I'll explain this more as we go. They're not becoming more like the Lord the more they're bugged by how someone else handles their money. Because you'll see the Lord is not really that way. Now, I, I, I mean, honestly, the, the Lord doesn't want us to be materialistic or, or to be, uh, you know, money-minded or what's another word for this? Um, greedy, there's another word still. Can you help me? Tightwad, <laughs> I heard. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, he, he, covetous is the word I was looking for. He doesn't want us to be that way. But beyond that, when we get that out of, out of our hearts, he is not hung up with, with people having nice things. He is not nitpicking over every penny that people spend, and you shouldn't have bought that extra shirt. You already have three, you know, or, or magnify that with greater amounts. People think, they get nervous when it's, when it's lands and vehicles and homes and things like that, and it's like, oh, now you're materialistic. No, it's a heart issue. You either are or you're not. And you can have a, you can have a real heart problem with money when you're broke or when you're doing very well financially. We want to get the heart thing right. That's why we're talking about, we, we dedicate our lives to the Lord, okay? Then these other things are not so, such, such a hang-up. They're not, people sometimes become critical of not only how individuals spend their money, they do this with churches. I know because I've been like in the church for a while, and I've been pastoring for a while. Sometimes, and again, it's probably not you guys, but they've, others, other places, they become critical how churches spend money. And they don't realize the spirit that they're under is not the spirit of God leading them. It's another spirit. I'm going to show you in a minute. There's another guy who had this spirit. All right. And you don't want to be like him. All right. It's John chapter 12. Did you find it? John chapter 12. This is the chapter right after Jesus raised uh, Lazarus from the dead. So that great miracle, that great account. And then chapter 12 and verse one, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who, who was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. What, what kind of oil? Very, well, you said spikenard. Very costly is what I was looking for. Very costly oil of spikenard anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of that oil. Now stop right there for a moment. This, this oil was called an oil of, what's the word? Spikenard, all right? All right, how many wore your spikenard today? Anybody? No, uh, this spikenard was a very uncommon and expensive um, perfume. Uh, it was extracted from grasses that grew in India, okay? They are far from India, right? And apparently, as I read, it was a lengthy process to produce this, and so it, was, it took a long time, therefore very expensive, plus it's being shipped around the world, shipping, they didn't like FedEx it, right? You can see why this was a very expensive 
uh, perfume. In fact, it was so expensive, very few people could, could buy it. You couldn't just go run down to the store on the corner, you know, go to the little mini mart there and pick up some oil of spikenard in case Jesus shows up. Very expensive, very rare. In fact, it was, it was only used typically for, for kings as gifts for kings and nobility. And, but Mary, Laz, uh, Laz, Lazarus, yeah, Lazarus's sister, uh, she had some of this. All right, I don't know the details about that, but this was some really nice stuff. And Jesus is there and she's overwhelmed by him and just wanting to honor him and bless him. She pulls this stuff out and dumps it on his feet. Can you imagine the gasps in the room? Because they saw it on the bottle, oil of spikenard made in India. Right? And all of a sudden, and it fills the house and it's probably amazing, but it's on Jesus' feet. Think about the feet in their day. Because they would walk around in sandals and, you know, dirty and foot washing was a normal part of their... She's dumping this stuff. And I imagine some people went, <laughs> hmm. And one guy in particular, he had a real big problem with this. Right? And it, can I tell you up front? It wasn't Jesus. It was the other J. Yeah. Let's read it. It's a, he says uh, in verse uh, 4, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, right? Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Why was this not sold? Now, we don't understand 300 denarii too much today, but different uh, uh, biblical scholars will say, and you'll read this in the NIV and the Amplified Bible and other places, they will liken it to one year's wages. All right? That even helps us more than understanding pence and denarii and all these currencies. When you put it into our time, we can estimate a year's wages. How many know we're not talking ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000? We're talking way more as far as, you know, annual household income and that kind of stuff is what we could compare it to. This is some expensive stuff. This person didn't run down to Dillard's and get some, get the latest <laughs> perfume and say, wow, that was a hundred bucks. Or I don't even know what stuff costs on Ace, but uh, no, this was something way more expensive and Judas was not pleased. Why was it? It's because Judas had such a heart of gold, right? And he, he had such a heart to care for the poor and he calculated and he saw that's so many meals, that's so, many, so much housing and clothing for people who are out. And man, Jesus, is that what he was thinking? Well, it goes on to say, verse, uh, verse six, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. So the money box, this in other words, Judas is the treasurer for Jesus Ministries Incorporated, right? <laughs> Judas is carrying around the money bag. They have a lot of money. You, I mean, no, Jesus had a lot of money. That, some, that ruffles religious feathers. He had a big staff that he's taken care of full-time. They got meals and travel and all this stuff. There was a bunch of money in there. Plus, uh, giving to the poor was a regular part of their ministry, it appears, too. 
Remember when at the Last Supper, when Jesus told Judas, you can go do what you need to do, some of the other guys thought, oh, he's probably going out to give to the poor. In other words, that was, that was part of their, their, their ministry, is they did help people who, are, who were in need. Uh, but Judas, he didn't care about that. He thought, this money, this perfume, that's like fifty, sixty, seventy thousand, eighty thousand dollars $70,000, We should have sold that. Well, what would you do with it, Mr. Iscariot? <laughs> well, we're going to put that in the treasury. That's called the money box, and then we're going to disperse it from there. Here's some for you. Here's some for me. Here's some for you. Here's some for me. In other words, he was going to steal some of it. That's what he thought. This is, that is expensive stuff. You know how much money we could have had? That could have filled our coffers and his pockets. So I want you to notice that this is in here for a reason. This could have been left out of the Bible. This is in here for a reason because this is typical of how people's hearts are that constantly complain about how others spend their money and that are really upset when someone gives a large sum to something they deem is unworthy. So reading the rest of this, but Jesus said, let her alone, she has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but me you will not always have with you. So again, Judas didn't really care about the poor. He cared about personal gain, all right? But you think about what was happening here. She did spend, this was her dedication as we're in, in our context. She, she's dedicating this expensive gift in a way to honor the Lord, in a way, a way to, to do something special for him. Jesus, if he ever had an opportunity to correct people's value systems, this would have been it. He could have stepped in there and said, you know, uh, Mary, Judas is... You know, he, I know he's a thief and everything, but he's actually right about this. You shouldn't have poured that on my feet. I mean, I'm going to die, and this is not going to last. It's not going to mean anything. We should have probably just sold that and given it to the poor. Couldn't Jesus have interrupted and said that? Why, why didn't he? Why didn't he correct her in, 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 in wasting all this money? because he didn't believe it was a waste. He did not judge that situation as being wasteful. And this is where we have got to double check our thinking, especially when we find ourselves accusing others of waste. Because what we're not seeing is Jesus on board with that logic. We have to know the waste talk is primarily Judas. I'm not saying that real waste isn't a thing. It's possible to really waste something. This isn't it. This isn't a waste. Or Jesus could have set their value system straight right here and say, nope, this is where we do it, and this is not one of those things we want you guys doing in the future. Don't be wasting this, this expensive perfume. So what is the value system that Jesus is teaching here by his lack of criticizing Mary. Is that, a good, is that a good question? Okay, now watch. Not only then, but this transfers to today. Many people believe churches like ours are only as good 
as the, as the natural um, help that they can give to a community, like feeding the poor. And if a church will feed the poor, then they're of value. I guess we can let them serve some sort of purpose by existing in our country. Don't a lot of people think that way? Okay, now watch. If you turn on some kind of commentary or news show and they're talking about if the subject comes up, they're not going to praise churches like ours for preaching the gospel. But they will make note if churches like ours will do something humanitarian. They helped this disaster. They helped the city. They helped the poor. They helped that. They will acknowledge that. That's a good thing but not praise them for preaching the gospel. We're not making the news for winning thousands of people to Jesus. Why? Because they don't value that. They don't think that's necessary. They don't think that's important. They only see these natural things as being valuable. Everybody with me now? Say, is that valuable? Yeah, it is. It is. It's not top though. It's not the important thing. It's not the primary reason we exist. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and feed the poor. Someone might want to throw rocks at me for saying that, but I'm just quoting Jesus. Yeah, come on. I'm not making this up. He didn't say that. He gave the primary mission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Give them the good news. Why say that more than saying these other things? Because... It doesn't matter if every one of our natural, temporal needs are met if we're not saved. Jesus died. Yes, he covered the curse of poverty. He had made a way where people can be financially blessed in this life. But the primary, the main thing is that sins would be washed away and people would call on the name of the Lord and be saved. If your belly is full, but you still go to hell, man, we missed it. We say, well, we helped this person and we clothed this and we helped this person get a home and they didn't get, get saved. Wow. Even with these shoe boxes that we send out all around the world, that's a form of giving to the poor. You know why, it's, why I like it? I mean, I'd be happy with the box by itself. It's still a good deed. But the material inside that carries the gospel that's what makes, for me, say, I'm, I'll be involved with that. And at our home, we packed several boxes last night. <laughs> but that's why, because I'm not only just meeting a need. That's temporary. That's good. That's important. I need to meet a spiritual need. And that's eternity. And that's all that matters. This is the value system of the Lord Jesus. He did not use every physical resource just for material uh, well-being of people who were down and out. That wasn't his primary message, and it was in preaching the gospel. So that brings us to asking ourselves questions like, what would be right and what would be wrong? Is it for you and your finances? Do you need to live in the bare minimum? Have the smallest home? the least of what you can use to get by and give the rest to the poor. And it got quiet in the house. Can I tell you? Of course not. 
go back to, the, we can teach this through the whole, whole Bible, just this illustration. This was a chunk of 50, 60, $70,000 of perfume gone in a minute. And Jesus didn't correct it. He didn't say, oh, no, that's, you shouldn't have, you have that expensive stuff. Jesus didn't think that way. I'm not going to think that way. Don't think that way. For your own self, definitely don't be judgmental about other people. They should have done this. That's Judas. Not Jesus, Judas. Right? And so I don't want to think that way. He did not correct this. Should you have the, the, the very bare minimum? Why would you? Unless, you know, you were forced into that situation. But why? Should churches, now here's where the rubber meets the road, uh, should churches like ours and many others, should they have the least facilities possible? Should they spend as little as possible on facilities and equipment and transportation and, and all these things? Should they just do the very minimum possible? Is that how Jesus thought? Because certainly Mary could have gone down and got some Chanel number no. five or something. <laughs> right? A little bit on Jesus' feet. Right? Or got one of the substitutes. They had, apparently, they had uh, substitutes for this expensive spike nard. She could have got that. Maybe it smells almost as good. He didn't say, why, did you, why didn't you get the, the, the off brand? I'm thinking Jesus believes in name brand. <laughs> or at least he's not opposed to it. Yeah, come on. Hallelujah. You remember when, it, when, when he went to the cross and they, di they, they divided up his clothes, the soldiers were, ca were casting lots for his clothes? How many know it wasn't an old rag? Get a stick. Throw that thing in the trash. No, it was really nice. Thinking it might have been designer. It said it was the kind without a seam. So we don't know the details, but it wasn't, it wasn't cheaply something that, that no one wanted. They all wanted it. It's like, I'm going to get that. He's dying anyway. And they're, they're trying to get that. This is the way that Jesus thinks. So if we think different, that's why we're talking. So Mary was showing honor to the Lord. This is a proper use of material things. It's a dedication of things in our possession we honor the Lord with them. Does that, does that sound scripture? yeah. scriptural at all? From Proverbs? Honor the Lord with your possessions. Not just with your song, not just with an upraise. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Say, what does the Lord care about my possessions? He lives in heaven. His, my possessions mean nothing to him. Well, I don't know that they do. One, he created them. He's the one who created nice things. He created the, the, built the stuff on earth to be nice, so it's his idea. If you read back in Genesis, he's the one who told, right away he told Adam where the gold was. He set the standard. That's why we value gold, because God likes gold. He told Adam about the gold before Eve showed up. Think that was strategic? <laughs> These things are the stuff God created. But on the, at the same time, when something's valuable to us and we dedicate it to him, now it's holy. It's a dedicated item. This oil became more than a year's wages. 
this spike nard, it became something dedicated to the Lord. It was worship. It was honoring him. Judas followed this event by betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And so you see what's in the heart of the person who's overly critical, who's money obsessed. Why didn't you do this? This should have been used for this. How come you didn't do this? He left that. He's so eaten up by, by, by money and material things that he goes away and betrays the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. This is not a year's wages. He took much less. He was so annoyed by this. Think about that, that mentality, okay? Uh, and, and 1 Timothy 6, 10, remember that one? For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Did Judas have a problem with that? He did. He loved it. And then what happened next? He started stealing, skimming from the till, started stealing from it. After that, what did he do? He started attacking others for their use of money, specifically Mary. Uh, after that, what did he do? He betrayed Jesus. So he turned his back on the Lord because of this money thing. And then he committed suicide. So how many know this is not really a good pattern to get into? And if we find ourselves in any one of those steps, know that the end, if not interrupted, is not going to go well. Listen, I know how people in the world think today, and I'm, I'm saying, ask questions if you have them, but, but there are some people who stay away from church because of the whole money thing. They're so bound up with money, and if I go there, they just want my money. Listen, the end of that thinking is not good. You need to get free from that. You really do. If someone's really after you, go somewhere else. After your stuff, go somewhere else. But money is your God right now. And it leads some people away from, away from the Lord. And so these things are very real. Um, bottom line, don't be like Judas, be like Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Can I have you turn to one more place? I just have a few minutes. But back to Luke 16. And I won't have time to give much commentary on this, but last week we read to you, he who is faithful with little is faithful also in much. If you're faithful with, with unrighteous mammon, if you're not faithful with it, how will he entrust with you the true riches? I want to read the verses that precede that to give you the context of that statement. Verse 1, Luke 16, he also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him uh, that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of the stewardship. For you can no longer be steward. And the steward said to him, said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking my stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. He said, so he said to him, take your bill, sit down and quickly write 50. In other words, cut it in half. So he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, 100 measures of wheat. So he said to him, take your bill, write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. He didn't appreciate losing money, but he said, wow, I see what you're doing here. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. So Jesus told this story about how this guy resolved a natural problem 
how he used material things, he used money, he used this debt to get himself favor with other people when he's out. So they're gonna receive him in. So that's natural, that's physical, that's, that's earthly. Then Jesus obviously is teaching eternal principles and he says in verse nine, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Say, what is he talking about there? There's no earthly home that's everlasting. What Jesus is saying here is he's telling them basically, use your money for the gospel so that when you die, you will have a grand greeting party awaiting you. They will receive you into an everlasting home. I tell you what, this is the heart of God. It is that we, because again, the very next verse, he's faithful with little, be faithful with much. Faithful with unrighteous mammon, you go into true riches. He's telling, telling us how to deal with natural things and how they reflect spiritually. So this is the heart of God. This is what Jesus wants from us is that we use what's in our control, what's in our possession. This is smart. Use it to get someone else saved. Use it, use your resources so other people end up in heaven. Not to say that there wouldn't be a time and a place and there is to help people on a very natural level, but ultimately, it's about the gospel. It's about the good news. We think sometimes about different well-known individuals like a Billy Graham or someone who, who won many uh, lost people to the Lord, and we think about, you know, because he passed away a while ago, uh, we, we think his welcoming party was probably glorious. All the people that were there that had been saved in his meetings, and, and I don't disagree with that at all. But you know what also I think, based on this verses and other places, that many people who are totally unknown, they didn't have any earthly you know, fame or something like that, but they used their unrighteous mammon. They used their money and they put it into the gospel and they showed up in heaven and the welcome party was massive. Others might have looked and said, who's here now? Who is that? Must be a great evangelist. Must be a mighty man or woman of God who, who won many to the Lord. They said, no, no. It's, it's that guy who, who financed it all. It's that guy who gave to put up those buildings and, and have those meetings and, 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 and send teams over here. It, it, it's, it's that person. That's who showed up. All these people, this massive sea, they got saved because of how they used their, their resources. Come on. Come on. If you've ever thought, well, I'm not a preacher and I don't know if my, my entrance into heaven will be so glorious, there probably won't be anyone there. <laughs> well, then change that. I'm not saying I'm speculating, obviously, on some level. There's not going to be anyone there. I think Jesus will be there. That will be pretty important. Uh, but, but we can use our resources, so we're making friends. What kind of friends? The real ones, not Facebook friends. Real friends. What do you mean? I was a part of their salvation. I was a part of them coming to the Lord. I had some part to play in them receiving eternal life. That's called eternal friendship. How many know a, a, a gazillion years from now, we're going to be saying high five, boom, boom, how's it going? I'm sure glad you gave. 
I'm so glad you did what you did because I'm here and not there. Come on. Hallelujah. Everybody okay today? I hope you can see the heart of God what I'm, what, and, and my heart, really, what I'm trying to communicate. I want us to think like the Lord. I'm not going to be, I'm not your judge and how you handle your money or your finances or your offerings or anything like that. I'm just saying the value system that we ought to have as individuals and as a church ought to, ought to match the way God thinks, the way Jesus operated. Amen. I'm not uh, bugged at all. And you, may, you could question my motive for saying this, but j- just don't. Um, <laughs> I'm not bugged at all by spending a large sum of money, m- many millions on facilities to do what we're doing. That's right. yeah. And the reason is not so we can say, hey, we've got a great place. And the reason is what it's used for. Yeah. If it's used just for our, to pat ourselves on the back, that's a waste. That's a total waste. If it's used for the glory of God to honor him and to bring many children of God into the family, then it's worth everything. It's worth me giving up something. It's worth you giving up something. It's worth all of our faith. It's worth all of our energy. This is going to last forever. I think there's a whole bunch of stuff in eternity we're never going to talk about. Not because we don't remember it, it, would just, it would just won't seem important. But there are some things we can do. We probably will talk about many eons from now. And when things are dedicated to the Lord, he makes note of it. It becomes holy. And we're still, still telling this story about the spike nard. And this was a while ago. And we're still telling, I mean, we're also telling the story about the little wo- the woman who gave the, the two mites in the offering. Jesus said she gave more than everybody else. That was a little offering. This was a big offering. We're still telling both those stories. Because the heart of a, something being dedicated to the Lord is precious to him. It's a very precious thing. Father, thank you for what you're doing in here today. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price, and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart. Say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead, and he's alive today. I receive him now as my Savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday, and you are more than welcome to be here. Visit our website at lcboise.com 
for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you.